So <clears throat> I thought I would start with a little uh, computer haiku tonight. <clears throat> it's kind of one of my favorite little <clears throat> ways of starting, a little humor to kind of break that, uh, what the tenacity of the kind of our clinging in our mind and our grasping and our expectations. Apparently in Japan, they have replaced the impersonal and unhelpful Microsoft error messages with haiku poetry messages. <laughs> Here are 16 actual error messages from Japan. Your file was so big, it might be very useful, but now it's gone. <laughs> The website you seek cannot be located, but countless more exist. <laughs> Chaos reigns within. <laughs> Reflect, repent, and reboot. <laughs> Order shall return. <laughs> Windows NT crashed. I am the blue screen of death. <laughs> no one hears your screams. <laughs> Yesterday it worked. Today it is not working. Windows is like that. First snow, then silence. This thousand dollar screen dies so beautifully. <laughs> With searching comes loss and the presence of absence. Quote, my novel, not found. The Tao that is seen is not the true Tao until you bring fresh toner. <laughs> Three things are certain, death, taxes, and loss of data. Guess which has occurred? <laughs> You step into the stream, but the water has moved on. This page is not here. <laughs> Out of memory, we wish to hold the whole sky, but we never will. Serious error. All shortcuts have disappeared. Screen, mind, both are blank. <laughs> so we come to this uh, final evening of uh, this New Year's retreat. And so tonight I did write you a poem today. 
uh, as part of my way that, um, in a sense, I ground myself for some way to go on a journey with you that um, maybe I hope tonight uh, is a much more kind of pragmatic in the sense this is a, a very, um, it's kind of a domestic deal. You know, we come here and there's a great um, loftiness uh, and uh, Gil so beautifully uh, kind of talked about the breath and just being here and the simplicity of the teachings. And then the following night, Eugene talked about the, this uh, really the, the um, deconstruction of uh, kind of uh, who and how we are. You know. And then last night, Sharda uh, took this uh, whole process of turning kind of the, the uh, purification or the, taking the uh, raw gold and uh, turning it into its really its uh, purity in some way in uh, the really what happens when uh, the toxins or the that uh, superego is somewhat dissolved and the uh, <gasps> heart is uh, left um, appearing in its uh, kind of uh, true nature. So, I just called this last evening, since I think it's appropriate and uh, easy to start with. Did you say it was over? You mean I'm kicked out? Back to the world I so carefully crafted? How could this be? I just got here. You must have a plan. All this work just to get so sensitive? It was raining and dark, both inside and outside, when I arrived, sitting quietly again and again. And so the clouds on the inside began to thin day after day. You knew we came to give up some of the old and frightened parts, remembering some faith the sun having been there all along, waiting, waiting patiently, day after day. For you, to breathe into your heart once again, to breathe into your heart once again, standing firm, knowing for sure that the winds of change, demanding everything, only to pull you back into the complex of your life. Maybe this time, pausing a little longer, listening, listening to something below the chatter, heart a little more at ease. One sings one song, mercy, mercy. Did you say it was over? You know. I like um, find it here. to continue actually with another poem that comes from David White about uh, the geese. Above the mountains, the geese turn into the light again, painting their black silhouette on an open sky. Sometimes everything has to be inscribed across the heavens, 
So you can find that one line already written inside of you. Sometimes it takes a great sky to find that first bright, indescribable wedge of freedom in your own heart. Sometimes with the bones of the black sticks left when the fire has gone out, someone has written something new in the ashes of your life. You are not leaving. You are arriving. You are not leaving. You are arriving. So we come here and... and, um, in a sense, kind of untangle the tangles or uh, take uh, and uh, take out the impurities of the gold and uh, sometimes recognize that somehow, oh, uh, oh, leaving here with this kind of sensitivity, you know, and the fact that the, um, the collectedness that we've accumulated and the insight that comes from the steadiness and stableness that uh, we've had here. Uh, It's nature. Uh, It also, due to the conditions, arises and passes away. So what is it? What is it that um, we can take from these uh, insights and this collecting since we can't carry it with us, we can take really uh, the, the path itself, you know, the, the journey. And the journey sometimes is, I like it, kind of imagine like a freeway. Mm-hmm. And the freeway has all these uh, wonderful exits on it. And you'll be going out onto uh, the great freeway of your life. And there will be these exits. And uh, there will be Uh, enticements uh, that pull you uh, out and sometimes into um, kind of the back streets, the back alleys of life, you know. And uh, hopefully this, from this practice point of view, is that some place out there we remember that there is this remembering that we can come back to that freeway, that road, that path that uh, is really this... uh, you know, this uh, search for truth, for dharma, uh, for um, that connection, that heart. And in the tradition, uh, we talk a bit about it very simply as, uh, first of all, just to recognize uh, we start with these teachings uh, as uh, really the, the... kind of Four Noble Truths were the Buddha's first teachings in Saranath. And I always liked this, what they call the Wheel of Dharma, which is an eight-spoked wheel. And that there are always, you see on the monasteries a lot of times, in the Tibetan monasteries, they have, there's two deer that are facing the wheel for uh, this deer park where he first taught these simple teachings that uh, was acknowledgement of uh, that we bang into things. And because uh, life uh, bangs into things, then uh, we have to uh, find kind of the uh, heart and the intelligence 
to uh, collect ourselves and um, come back to the road again. And uh, sometimes we'll be pulled off again and again and pulled back again and again. In the tradition, there are what is known, that kind of the basis of it, uh, is known as the five uh, daily recollections. I thought I'd just read them to you as the kind of the fundamentals of the basis of things that we can take and remember that this is just how it is. I am, the na- I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature of change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon upon which I stand. So I'll just read those again because they are so fundamental to remembering the five recollections uh, that as we go out of here, uh, here there is such a a, um, force of remembering here but it's not always easy and all the exits that we uh, can take off on. I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. So these are the teachings that um, these recollections that in a sense bring that um, uh, grounding that reminds us to come back and stay uh, on the path itself. I was thinking today is the, the uh, 2nd of January and uh, this is the, um, my six month anniversary from uh, surgery uh, for uh, prostate cancer, uh, which was on the uh, 2nd of um, July. And it's kind of a big deal for me, you know, because I know now that uh, it's, it took me for quite a um, spill. But it is the nature uh, to have ill health. And uh, I just remember so clearly I'm one of these types that I don't get sick easily. I had no idea, you know, It was just, uh, I just, it was not part of my consciousness in a lot of ways. And I got a few signs prior to this. But I remember just going in after this uh, biopsy I had and walking in and uh, I didn't bring anybody with me. I just, you know, I was clueless 
and going in and sitting down and saying, oh, it's 90% malignant, you know, and going, oh, and suddenly getting the kind of the truth of um, this ill health, you know, and kind of that wake up call. And I hope none of you have it, but all of you will have it on some level. This is part of the nature, you know. The path itself is really based on this eight-spoked wheel. And uh, I see it as you can enter it anywhere. In the sense that each uh, is uh, a spoke to the center, and the center is really um, the spinning, spinning kind of circle in the center, which is based on this truth that... Um, what. Uh, they say a kind of greed, hatred, and delusion uh, spin in the center of it. And our practice here is to uh, find some sanity in our world, some way to take uh, the teachings here in their simplicity uh, into our lives. And the way it's kind of uh, broken up here is that uh, there are three sections which I'd like to sort of explore with you. And uh, the first one is just, it's a word pana or prajna, which simply is, uh, uh, means wisdom. And the kind of primary thing here is to have some sense of um, how you connect with the simplicity and understand uh, the, in a sense, we've been working on having this kind of wise uh, view. And it's something that you will keep kind of unearthing as you go along here, have more and more insight uh, from the practice as you go along. And so there is this first section, which is really about uh, the wisdom factor. So it sort of starts there and also kind of ends there. Uh, as a as an exploration uh, into uh, this process of uh, kind of being alive. The second really has to do with now as we walk out into the world, uh, the word is sila, uh, which has to do with uh, our speech and our actions and uh, how we uh, exchange ourselves in the world. So it's really, in the sense, our, um, the integrity of our uh, means of uh, really interacting, uh, how, we, how we actually love in the world, how we actually love manifests. And then the third of these, they use the word samadhi, which has to do with, uh, first of all, um, the, this word wise effort and uh, mindfulness and concentration. So, so I'd like to start really where the uh, kind of tradition starts in the sense that uh, we have been cultivating here, I think in the, particularly these uh, last uh, nights, really this process of, of trying to refine our view in some way. Uh, which ultimately 
uh, refining the view has to do with our capacity to begin to kind of trust uh, that there is uh, inherently, uh, when you allow uh, there to be some silence and uh, this process of inquiry into what's happening, that uh, there is inherent in us a intelligence, a connection uh, that uh, in a way has to be uh, constantly, in a sense, worked with. One of the things about insight that's uh, I believe tricky is it come and we sit and you have an insight and out of that insight uh, you create a view uh, and that view then is something from the past and then you solidify that view and you walk around with that view you know? and in many ways from the practices point of view what the Buddha was really asking because many times he wouldn't answer questions he would actually uh, answer with a question and so a part of our process here is as we go out uh, is our capacity to, yes, we'll have insights and insights lead to some kind of action and that action comes to some kind of satisfaction and then we have some kind of pause and then we have another insight and then et cetera, it goes around over and over again. And our process here is to actually, in essence, to stay open uh, to this very simple truth that uh, which we've been kind of referring to over and over again that there could be a place that we can rest where we don't know we don't have an answer we release the answer and so we actually are um, not holding to a view you know, we're releasing it and trying to actually bring ourselves to fully connect with what's happening or person or situation uh, in the world. And so we actually are in this process of questioning and suspending views because we all create views over and over again. And you've created a bunch of views here, I'm sure. That's, that's what we do. You know, we solidify it and hold it. But from the practice's point of view, it's this pliability, this malleability, where uh, we don't fix things in time. But we actually see that you know, there is some kind of fluidity, something we're kind of learning. There's something new that's happening. And so when you leave here, it's this capacity of, again, uh, not fixing things, uh, but actually trying to stay, in essence, uh, collected and open uh, and see what happens you know you know life is what's happening while we're making other plans wasn't that uh, uh, was that uh, John Lennon, I believe. Yeah. 
So there's this curiosity, this kind of question of, uh, of the solidifying and uh, trying to stay really uh, not fixed with any kind of views. Uh, or even I think sometimes it's easy to get caught in uh, concretizing some kind of belief. You know? But I think from the practice's point of view, from the simple thing, is to simply go back to you know, uh, the breath and the body uh, and realize that their freedom exists you know, um, regardless of the view and the thoughts and the thinking itself and that there is actually some kind of connection uh, that's available that's underneath that or to the side of it or outside of how we hold it. So there's also, uh, so that's really this wise uh, capacity for wise view of some some way and that we can um, kind of tap into the practice for the intelligence itself. Uh, there is also uh, what is known as this, as kind of the wisdom part, part is, has to do with our thinking. And so in the tradition, they talk about it as wise intention or uh, uh, wise um, thought. And our thoughts are the forerunner. Uh, as you have probably witnessed here in some way, of our actions, and that they uh, go from simply uh, being a thought uh, to then uh, a lot of times uh, to some kind of speech and some kind of then uh, solidified view, and that view then becomes a habit, and that habit becomes a destiny. So we are simply recognizing that the power of our thinking, the thoughts that we kind of solidify and, and hold ourselves around, uh, actually manifests. You know, it will manifest in speech and uh, in action. And so uh, understanding that and being somewhat conscientious uh, of, of the thinking itself uh, is important, a uh, part of uh, recognizing uh, kind of the, the stream or the power uh, of, of the beginnings of intention itself and how uh, it possibly could play out. Yeah. I was thinking uh, earlier, I was. And this is a hard story, I realized. I, I wasn't sure if I could tell it, but when I was about nine, I was, uh, um, I was in school in Switzerland, and uh, my parents, um, for the summer, we went and rented an apartment in Luxembourg, in the country, and, and uh, we had a downstairs apartment, and uh, it was sort of three stories, and there was a very small apartment up on the top floor. And... Um, this uh, woman that was there that lived up on the top floor, I, would, I spoke French, and so I would speak with her, and she spoke sort of German and French, and she told me the story about uh, uh, her uh, husband. Uh, and um, 
asked if uh, she had to go to this, when she had to go to the store, could I go upstairs and sit with him because he was ill. And uh, so um, I agreed to do this and I said, okay, fine, I will do that. And she took me upstairs and there was this uh, gaunt, uh, gaunt man. And I was afraid to look at him, you know, he was so gone. And what I didn't know at that time, as I found out, is, is they had been uh, uh, in love in, uh, when he was, they were both quite young. And he had been taken away to Auschwitz. And he had um, come back and it was nine years after the war, you know. But uh, he wasn't um, well, and so she would, ha I had a hard time with this because it was one of the first things when I really realized uh, that I was afraid. And I would sit with him and just hold his hand. She would have me hold his hand, you know. And uh, how afraid I was of uh, kind of, uh, of weakness, of illness, of uh, death. Of, uh... And I remember how, um, as I stayed, uh, how I began to relax. And uh, maybe it was my first understanding that uh, this was not, um, you know, this isn't what I thought it was. You know, it had, that had not been presented to me. And uh, downstairs below was a young man who was probably about 26, 27. I was nine. And he loved to garden, you know. And so he would tell me these great stories of uh, during the war, how as, you know, a 12, 13-year-old, how they would go out and they would uh, uh, go through the Luxembourg. There's a river, and then uh, centuries ago, they built all these tunnels underneath. And so he would tell me his great stories of going and, and uh, uh, breaking into the rations uh, of, the, of the German tents, and they would steal, you know. Mm -hmm. And how I could see how much life was there in survival, you know, the kind of the id part. And, um, and so it was incredibly stimulating, these two pieces, you know, this one about uh, kind of the rebel and, and <laughs> you know, um, a life and, and um, the will to, to survive. And then this other was about the truth of, uh, you know, uh, these recollections about illness and about um, you know, death. And, um, and it was interesting because after that, I didn't know much about, I mean, I'd lived kind of growing up in Europe at that time. There was a lot around the war. Uh, that was uh, very kind of in your face, but it was still, you know, not talked about. You know, and so it was my first kind of really encounter with uh, something that had uh, you know, deeply impacted. And it was great because later there was a piece around this, this, these, this, you know, at once a young couple who had fallen in love, and she waited for him, and then married him when he came back. And of course, he was no longer the same person, but um, he, um, I don't know, you know, he gave to me something that I don't think I could have found anywhere else, you know. And so, and I see that in all, you know, it's like I think even this last year, my 
my own kind of brush with uh, you know cancer and uh, a surgery that kind of went bad and stuff. Um, this is this is life. This is our life. And so, I'm hoping that you know all these things I read of the day, daily recollections that somehow that you can remember. You know, that your thinking uh, is the precursor. So uh, why not, you know, use this, what Charter was talking about last night, of coming to some kind of place where that gold is pure enough, where it can come from, the, from love and uh, not from fear. You know, and that uh, we actually have the strength to kind of step into this, a world that we inhabit and realize uh, somehow that uh, this world really it really needs you you know and it needs you in a way that is clear uh, and can meet uh, the world without imprinting a lot of views and opinions and you know judgments on it but actually is actually something that you can receive and that you can hold and you can also let go of. This is from Dina Metzner. What are the gifts that we have been given? To deny that we are gifted is perhaps to indulge in false humility, which allows us to shirk responsibility for the gift. But the gift is a sacred trust it asks that we develop it. It asks that we pass it on. And what I see uh, in this whole process uh, is that um, to sit quietly enough and listen um, uh, is to allow, in a sense, that love, that connection to come to the surface, you know, and uh, once there's some kind of wise view and there's some kind of uh, understanding and, and, and recognizing the power of our intentions and our thoughts, uh, then we can see in, in the tradition they talk about is the sila or the uh, action and, and speech and uh, livelihood. You know. uh, but what is it? You know, how how? Do we meet the world? You know, how do we meet the world? Uh, it's kind of a courageous affair uh, to understand first just these precepts, that somehow they're here uh, and they are about love to keep us safe and to keep the community that we uh, connect with safe. To be able to take, I think, in a, in a sense, the stance around, first of all, our own understanding of harm and of uh, killing and uh, violence and uh, war, you know, that and uh, you know, the death sentence, whatever you feel that you. Un- that you understand about this? Is there some way that this practice asks that you, you know, understand and take a stance around it? 
And uh, it truly is about non-harming and about love. And so there's a whole dimension to this. There's the personal, and then there's understanding the nature of the collective of this greed, hatred, and delusion, and that uh, we have to take some kind of stance, you know, personally and collectively. In the same way, you know, the, the this ideas of not taking what is not given, you know, and uh, the complexity sometimes in the uh, uh, corporate uh, shenanigans of these huge ownerships and you know uh, you know who hires who and what they do you know so just taking a look really take investigating some of that you know, not taking what is not given you know and the uh, power, just understanding the power of, you know, sexuality, how, you know, we made a deal here uh, that we were really containment of it, but it's an energetic, uh, you know, human um, power that uh, pulls us, you know, and it's not here, we just simply put on the back burner and and allow it in the sense it informs us, Uh, but Again, it can be a destructive force, and it's also a creative force, and has a, a, a way that it, you know, has the power to either transcend or to uh, cause uh, a great suffering. Which I'm sure you know we've all been teenagers or later and found out a lot about this one. You know, but it's still uh, the fact that it arises is not a good or bad thing. It's, it's an energetic that. Uh, brings that life force to us. And we also now step into the world uh, tomorrow of speech. And it's amazing sometimes when you open your mouth and the same voice comes out and you think, oh, I've changed, you know. And you find out it's the same voice, you know. And uh, there is, uh, in a sense, it goes back to that truth about intention. It, there's also the truth about the fact that, you know, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? You know, is it not negative or, you know, backbiting or gossipy or harsh? You know, uh, and is it timely? You know, so we have this whole investigation of trying to find out, you know, how can we speak from, you know, our deepest truth? And I was thinking, Eugene was talking each time he spoke, he talked about how this practice of, of listening, of being here, you know, is very much a body experience, a very somatic reality that somehow uh, we can stay connected uh, as a way uh, to listen to the Dharma talks here, but it's also a way that we can uh, go into the world you know, stay connected. Because uh, it's so easy, sort of like a helium balloon shoots off as soon as we start talking. And so we have to sort of learn how to tether it and bring it down and eventually bring it to a way that uh, we can allow ourselves to, to kind of sit in our wholeness. It means our heart is there. 
our body's there, you know. Our, our mind uh, actually is working more uh, as a servant of the heart through and connected to the body. Uh, and it can be a tool to destroy and a tool to liberate. And also, the last of these has to do with, you know, our, uh, our susceptibilities to, uh, in a sense, there's the kind of the altered states of alcohol and drugs. But there's also, you know, I, one of the things for me over the years is, um, I remember when I, I didn't have a television growing up and I spent many years in India, and then I came back and uh, with my first wife, and we got a TV, and and uh, she finally had to get rid of it because I would sit there, and for some reason it was just so powerful, you know, and I would watch the stupidest things, you know, and just sit there and laugh, and you know, carry on, and it just drove her nuts, you know. I mean, it didn't matter what was on, you know, and um, but it was part of it. I just saw as my own kind of addictive personality that, you know, uh, oh, something to kind of, uh, you know, space me out. Oh, great. I'll go with that, you know. And I know for food and and so many different um, things in our world uh, can uh, entrap us and entice us and, uh, you know, uh, cause us to go unconscious. And so it's a kind of a, a, a big territory. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It's, uh, you know, uh, there's many things that cause us to go unconscious. And, um, and this practice is about, you know, bringing the kind of preciseness and um, uh, softness and kindness uh, to what uh, is occurring. You know, and letting it somehow... Uh, that we can soften and, and hear it and, and know, you know, how to, you know, say no and, uh, and understand that, you know. So we have these precepts. Uh, we, have, uh, we have livelihood, this exchange in the world. You know, and I think I hear so many times, it's such a challenge in such a busy world uh, to find uh, is really this capacity to uh, find some way to keep remembering that we have uh, the power to choose you know and that uh, there is action that uh, supports the uh, the goodness in ourselves and also what's around us. And it's always very questionable in how it all works and uh, in individual cases, where we are and what we need and uh, what others need. So the last kind of part of this is about uh, this word samadhi, 
And uh, first of all, uh, the f first one of these spokes is wise effort. And one of the processes in kind of Western view was somehow that uh, effort was about getting something. You know, that that was how we framed it. So, you know, we somehow had to, you know, um, push. And I think of this because they also talk about this as the middle way, uh, kind of between the extremes. And there's in a way that we can uh, keep the continuity, because I talked about it at some point, the continuity of this is really the secret to this, and that we need to somehow support uh, the mindfulness and the collectedness uh, that's necessary uh, for us to have the pliability to have a wise kind of view and wise understanding, wise thought, wise thought. And we'll always need this effort in some way. But I'm hoping that the effort, it is really uh, that the effort itself can, uh, in this ideal of the middle way, uh, that it's really the effort uh, to show up for yourself. Uh, remember, and that does take repetition and uh, uh, really constant cultivation. You know. But it's tricky because somehow if we put effort in, we think that somehow, uh, you know, it's from A to B instead of uh, it's from A to A. You know, it's, it's not to go anywhere. It's to, just to arrive here again. And, um, and to get the confidence that that's all we need. And that the mindfulness uh, is, I mean, you'll forget. And if you get long enough, one of these five recollections will catch you and uh, bring you back to the highway. No. No. I mean, mindfulness is such a, um, you know, it's the mind full. Of, uh, of here. That's all. You know, so it includes the body, includes the heart. Uh, it doesn't diss the thinking at all. It simply uh, is awake and aware uh, to the uh, the movements themselves. So there's this kind of discriminating wisdom 
uh, that is supported uh, over and over again. And kind of the last of these eight is the concentration itself. And one of the things that's true in my own uh, practice, um, I have a, what, uh, sometimes I sit down and I, I'm just all over the map. And so for years I've done the counting. I count the one to ten. I start over again and count one to ten again, uh, just uh, to collect myself. You know, and when I feel steady enough, uh, then, you know, it's like uh, the point in the circle again that Eugene talked about. Suddenly, I just allow the circle to get big. And my practice is really is to make the circle big, big, big. You know, it's got to include. You know. But it never... Um, when I say include, it's simply the awareness uh, holds the body and the heart. Uh, this is very much, to me, a somatic uh, a gift you know, that is possible to inhabit in its wholeness, in its wideness. So the awareness itself when it's collected. Uh, The kind of the uh, more collected it is, the the wider the circle can be, the more it can hold. And uh, for myself, sometimes I find only I can hold very small things when I'm somewhat scattered. That's great, because here, here you are, you can actually be pretty big here. You can be wide like this room, you know. But again, it's something that is due to causes and conditions. The causes here are that we have put, you know, these eight days of effort into uh, collecting ourselves. Uh, And then uh, allowing that goal, the awareness, to kind of come up (coughs) and be noticed. When we understand that we have to get back on the freeway again and go down, that the, there's a path uh, that's been walked, uh, you know, we know for 2,500 years, and that um, it is uh, definitely a cultivation uh, of kind of the wisdom factor. And that as that cultivation happens and we begin to see that we have somehow um, thinned out kind of who we think we are and we've kind of taken a lot of the charges off of some of our old stories, 
And um, that sense of separateness is somewhat broken down. Uh, then this goes back to Sharda's piece last night about that the purification process itself then uh, gives us uh, the power of these pillars. You know, there's kind of the negative emotions, and then there's are the lower emotions, and then the higher emotions. And the higher emotions, you know, are these uh, pillars of uh, really based on these practices that practice uh, of equanimity. That somehow, and it is. It's interesting that it's a uh, one of the Brahma Viharas, one of the kind of higher states. Uh, that when uh, uh, the heart is steady, that then it can enter into uh, the story I was telling: the capacity to be able to sit. Uh, with someone who is ill or is dying or who's sad or who has um, some confusion or difficulty. It creates that stability. So then uh, we can actually have the joy without getting lost in it and be happiness for uh, other people's happiness. We can be uh, a conduit for that loving kindness in ourselves and uh, be able to somehow give it expression uh, in our kind of everyday activity, you know, the grocery store and driving and uh, in our work. So before I read my poem, I have a something from the uh, Venerable Ajahn Chah that I would like to read about the Eightfold Noble Path, which uh, to me kind of sums up his beautiful simplicity of uh, the path itself. Traditionally, the Eightfold Path is taught with eight steps, such as right understanding, right speech, right concentration, and so forth. But the true Eightfold Path is within us, two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, a tongue, and a body. These eight doors are our entire path. And the mind is the one that walks on the path. Know these doors, examine them, and all the dharmas will be revealed. The heart of the path is so simple. No need for long explanations. Give up clinging to love and hate. Just rest with things as they are. That is all I do in my own practice. Do not try to become anything. Do not make yourself into anything. Do not be a meditator. Do not become enlightened. When you sit, let it be. When you walk, let it be. Grasp at nothing, resist nothing. 
Of course, there are dozens of meditation techniques, but it all comes back to this. Just let it all be. Step over here where it is cool, out of the battle. Why not give it a try? Do you dare? So we'll just, uh, just sit for a moment, then I'll read my poem to end. last evening. Did you say it was over? You mean I'm kicked out? Back to the world I so carefully crafted? How could this be? I just got here. You must have a plan, all this work, just to get so sensitive. It was raining and dark, both inside and outside. When I arrived, sitting quietly again and again. And so the clouds on the inside began to thin day by day. You knew you came to give up some of the old and frightened parts, remembering some faith, that sun having been there all along, waiting, waiting patiently day after day for you, to breathe into your heart once again, standing firm, knowing for sure that the winds of change demanding everything, only to pull you back into the complex of your life. May this time, pausing a little longer, listening, listening to something below the chatter, heart, a little more at ease. One sings one song, mercy, mercy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.